You've seen their TV shows. You've watched their webcasts. Now, Hartigan and Stapes invite you to Poker in the Ears. Hello, my babies, and welcome to Poker in the Ears. I am Uncle Daddy Joe Stapleton. He is my work wife, James Hartigan. It's been a while, Joe. In fact, it's been a full month and a bit. But that's that's just for the last time we spoke like on a podcast. It's, since we've done like a studio or a Skype podcast, it's been a long time. Going to be it's, going back to either early November or late October. Early November. We have so much to catch up on that we're not even going to attempt to get it all in today. Coming up on today's show, however, the Bahamas PCA. That was a thing. We had a new set. We had new commentators. I accidentally hazed Lex Feldhaus <laughs> when I told him to show up at 9 a.m. for a podcast recording that didn't happen. Oh! But we're making it up to him by having him on the show today. Yeah, I think it's worth pointing out that we had fully intended to record episode 109 at the PCA. We were going to have Lex. We were going to have Maria Ho. But with everything else that was going on, a lot of moving parts, people. I'm sure you'll watch the stream, so you know how busy we all were. It was just not going to happen. So we had to put it on ice, and we regrouped. So we're back for a new year now, and crucially, we are back to being a weekly show. We had that interruption at the tail end of 2017, largely due to PCA prep and Joe's illness. We did the show from Prague. We didn't do a show from the PCA, but we are now back, and hopefully, Joe... And I'm touching wood here because, you know, shit happens. Hopefully we can make this a regular thing now. Let's do it. We are not today, by the way. Oh, no, we got great final tables, great new characters. Stuff to talk about PC in a bit. Yes, absolutely. We are, we are not recapping the Poker Stars Championship Cash Challenge. Yet. We are saving that for next week. We don't have a massive Bahamas event to talk about. Super fan, super fan versus Stapes, my babies, this week is Jack Scullion. His specialist subject is season one of How I Met Your Mother. You stipulated season one, by the way. Because that's all I've seen, then they took it off Netflix. Right. But I was trying to plow through How I Met Your Mother. Uh, more on that later on. I'll give you guys my thoughts on How I Met Your Mother when we get to that section. I, at this moment, though, James, have to read you the message exchange between me and the kid we were going to have on as the super fan in the Bahamas. You see, I feel really guilty here because to cancel on Lex Veldhaus is one thing. And Lex obviously is our guest on this week's show. Okay, we're not going to be in the same room. He'll be on Skype, but not that much difference. But this guy, we've literally just canned him, right? Yeah, but listen, listen to the exchange I had with him. Canning him was one of the happiest moments of my life. Wow. <laughs> okay, maybe that's putting it a little too far. Okay, so he was such a pain in the butt. He, re he messaged me and goes, yo, Steve told me to message you for Superfan or something. We're doing a podcast. Okay, so first of all, the fact that he has got the branding wrong and crucially has omitted the word Stapes has got your back <laughs> up. It's just, uh, he's already asking like, uh, like I'm asking him a favor, right? So we're doing the podcast on Friday morning and we wanted to know if you wanted to come on as our guest Superfan. His reply, how long will it take? We'd need you at 9.30 and release you at 10.30. Morning? Yes, sir. Okay, I will be there. Where to find you? Just come up on the set. You can't miss us. Behind stage or is the outside tournament hall? Right up on the main table, bud. What do you want your specialty subject to be? You'll play against me in that area of trivia. I can do anything, whatever you say. Okay. 
I said, you pick a subject you're good at. That's how it works. Choose three and I'll pick one of them. You mostly post about poker, I see. What if I made the quiz about last year or 2016's PCA? No, I wasn't following PCA last two years. Would you tell me anything? <laughs> you can't then say... You can't say, not sorry, not that. It's what I call the meatloaf clause. Anything but not that. But I won't do that. And I said, okay, you let me know then. Two days go by. Any thoughts, dude? He writes, you give me options, I'll choose one. Oh, wow. You've already given him two options, right? What's your favorite horror movie? Or your favorite movie or TV show? Your favorite poker player? And he said, we can do the last two. How much time I'll just, on the podcast, I can talk about PCA experience in general. That's not really how the Superfan segment works. Then some more exchanges go back and forth. And he said, we can do a quiz about Daniel. I said, we've already done Daniel. Anything's outside of poker you know anything about. And then, thank God... I got to fucking cancel him <laughs> a few hours after that because this kid was driving me crazy. I am apologize that you had such a <laughs> negative experience on Facebook. If we're going to talk about social media for a second, yeah. I have to say that after the PCA rap, Joe, and it was an exhausting eight days. And just to put things into perspective, this event has kind of owned my life for the last three months. It was, I'm not going to say it was a good thing. When Joe got sick towards the tail end of last year, but the fact that we had a legitimate excuse to cancel a few podcasts and yeah. just give me some headspace was actually a, 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 a kind of a, a silver lining to the cloud, I guess. I don't know how you did it. I mean, I was busy during the PCA and that was just showing up like I didn't have to think about any of that stuff i didn't have to plan it you guys had delay world and live world and the live delay world and i mean we'll get into all that in okay. a moment but crucially what made it worth it after we came off air after we all went home is the reaction from the fans the reactions from the viewers and i'm sure if you're listening to this podcast you must uh, at least have caught one day of the coverage and if you didn't of course the replays are all up on the youtube channel and on twitch um i'm just going to read a selection because i don't want to blow smoke up our asses and i can't read every single tweet but here's just a sample of some of the comments that came through in the hours that followed Mike Tainton says I cannot express enough how great the coverage was I've always been a huge fan of what you guys have done but the addition of people like Jonathan Little and Lex Valdhaus in particular took it to the next level bravo and that's the crucial thing most of the praise here is for the work of others it's for the production team and for our new expert analysts who were a great addition to the team uh, Finch Finchy Lynch Thanks to you, Stapes, the rest of the commentators, the incredible crew and all the players. Been a great eight days for poker. Congrats to Maria and congrats to Francine. Got to be tough to pull all this off. A wonderful production. Did he write Francine with all the eyes? Correct. Well done. Uh, Kyle says, great job this week. Please keep putting Jonathan Little and Maria Ho in the booth for commentary. They are both excellent. Anthony Lee says, there is nothing on TV or the internet that comes close to the quality of the coverage you guys put on. Going to say that slight hyperbole, but I'll take it. Anthony says, I really enjoyed the addition of pros in the booth, along with the fact that it was cards up every day. Keep it up, please. And finally... The guy who said there's nothing else on TV with the high-level production has obviously never seen young Sheldon. I must have missed that one as well. <laughs> and finally, Jeff. Great job. The only painful and agonizing times were when Maria seemed to need to tank forever to fold hands like Jack Five off. This has to stop. Made me turn it off numerous times. We will discuss that later on now let's get into our full recap of pca 2018 event recap event recap 
So I did say, Joe, that this has occupied a lot of people's times. Just very quickly, because it has been a while since we last recorded a podcast. We finished up in Prague. It was Christmas New Year. You know me. I don't like to talk about personal stuff and family stuff. Suffice to say, had a great time. Watched loads of movie. Watched loads of TV shows. And as soon as New Year passed, was on a plane to the Bahamas and was in the thick of it. Whereas I guess you had a little bit more time. Yes, I, like I said, I didn't have to do any of this planning or conception of anything. Uh, I do like to talk about my personal life and stuff, so I'll say this. Christmas sucked big time, and everyone in my house was like wanted to murder each other, and it made me so upset that I got sick. Like I literally puked from stress. Jesus. I made up a lie that I had to go work. I left home for three days and just drove to my friend, remember J-Cat? I drove to J-Cat's house for a few days hid there for a few days and I wasn't supposed to go back to LA for new year, but I did uh, just cause I needed to get away from home. So in LA on new year's day, my, my friends come over at like eight o'clock in the morning and they wake me up and they're like, we're going to the ocean. We're getting up. We're kicking off 2018. We're driving to Malibu and we're all going to run into the ocean. And I was like, you know what? This is terrible. I want to go to bed. Okay, I'll do it. This is one of those things which sounds like a good idea at the time. It sounded like a terrible idea, but I was like, you know what? No, let's do it. Like, let's oh, wash no. away. Don't get me wrong. It's a terrible idea, but it's a terrible good idea. Exactly. I'm like, you know what? Let's do this. Let's go. Let's do it. So we go and we all go to the ocean. Well, they go to the ocean at first. I'm not sure if I'm going to do it. I go with my feet. And I was like, you know what would be really cool is Sam, I want you to film me going into the ocean. I'm going to take my clothes off. Right? I'm going to run in the ocean and I'm like a little out of shape right now. So a year from now, we come back and I want you to film me coming out of the ocean in good shape. But also if something comedic happens, there's potential value to send it into America's Funniest Home Videos and you can get, what do they pay these days? Is it still $250? It's still something incredibly low. Um, so <laughs> it's it's not, ha- it hasn't not, gone up in like 20 years. It's not like they own that footage in perpetuity in all... <laughs> Known universes and territories. That is correct. So I'm just like, I, so I tear off my, like my shirt and my shorts and I go charging in the ocean and I'm like, bring it on 2018. I'm in you. And I dive into the ocean, not realizing that Malibu is full of fucking rocks. <gasps> and I completely scrape up my entire body. So I'm like, bring it 2018. And 2018 is like, I'm bringing it with rocks. And I just, I just came out of the ocean like bloody and fucking everyone's like, didn't you know that Malibu's full of rocks? No, I didn't know. I have a follow-up question. Yeah. In addition to the injury sustained on the rocks, is it possible that this terrible, bad, good decision to leap into the ocean on New Year's Day may have contributed to you getting sick? It's possible. Now, I did that like the day after this, I'm like getting ready to get on the plane to the Bahamas and I'm like, I think I, have a, I, think I feel a tickle in my throat. I... <coughs> <coughs> and then it proceeded to get worse and worse and you know that to get to the Bahamas is like 17 flights and basically by the time I landed in the Bahamas at 2 o'clock in the morning the day I got there I could not stop coughing and I've been having voice problems and so this whole thing I was like holy shit I cannot catch a break okay just to put things into perspective so I was there on the 2nd of January you arrived on the 4th the 4th yeah okay the idea of both of us being there early obviously I was doing some production stuff as well but we were going to try and record a load of shit not just for the stream but also for the TV shows because we shot 
like 12 to 13 episodes, uh, which will air later this year while we're in the Bahamas. And of course, those shows normally have like a link at the start or, you know, or stuff where we're around the resort. And we figured while we're on air, we're not going to get the chance to do any of that. So let's make sure that Joe's in the Bahamas nice and early so we can just get all that in the can and then just focus on the eight days of webcasting when the, the poker actually starts. Well, immediately that plan was scrapped. And so obviously you come down and actually at the start, I didn't think you looked that bad. You said you had this nasty cough, but you looked okay. You sounded okay. And so you promptly got sent out to record these challenges instead. Yeah. So I'm running around on the beach on the first day, literally digging in the sand. And like, it's just, you know, the weather wasn't great this year in the Bahamas. So it's not like it was exactly warm out. And I think just... I just exacerbated the whole thing. Also, I ended up having an infection. So, you know, when you have a cold or even like a flu, it's a virus. It goes away on its own. Yeah. Not, an infection, not an infection. An infection is not going to do that. It needs drugs to kill it. But you didn't know that. You're, you've not been diagnosed at this stage. Correct. And so after this day of me running around shooting challenges happened, and James, you know, how many days have I missed being sick in the time that we've worked together? I mean, I can count them on the fingers of one hand. Yeah, I, I I, honestly think it's the first time I've ever actually missed a day of work was from this. And so it takes a lot for me to say, guys, I got to see a doctor. Yeah. Um. So it did end up being an infection. They gave me steroids and they gave me antibiotics. And it took, it still took several days. And this point, we're talking about like the 6th and 7th. So the 6th was meant to be our big rehearsal day and more on that in a moment and then of course the seventh was our first day on air and you weren't there for any of that so i kind of felt bad because number one you were missing out it on the experience terrible. of going through what we were actually going to be doing getting to work <laughs> alongside the people who joined the team understanding the workflow process but also i imagine for the first day going live of what is something new and different for us and as i said at the time is the most ambitious production we've ever done not to be a part of that it hurt real bad. It really did. Like, it sucked. Um, I was there. I mean, I went down, even though I probably shouldn't have. I should have just stayed home in bed. I just needed to be around it and also just see how it all worked. But I mean, again, where we were slightly fortunate is having in having so many people working on the team, if you were one person down, you could rework the roster to cover I that person. I felt person's so guilty. I knew how hard everybody was working. I felt guilty that I wasn't that... Look... I felt bad for two reasons. One, that everyone had to work harder, you especially, to figure things out. Two, there were cameras on and I wasn't in front of them. Yes. There were people appearing on screen getting praise for things on this brand new shiny set and I wasn't fucking doing it. Well, that first day, the rehearsal day, so let's talk about the set. Again, everyone's seen it and I'm sure many people saw on social media in the days leading up to the live stream the construction of the set. Let me give you a glimpse behind the curtain of what happens <laughs> at Atlantis in the run-up to the PCA. So the what we call the poker room at Atlantis is a huge convention hall. It's called the Imperial Ballroom. So they do have conventions, banquet dinners. And on New Year's Eve, there is a huge New Year's party at Atlantis. The resort is always sold out over New Year. And this year, Sting performed. Holy shit, really? So we don't get access to that room. We don't get to convert it into the... PCA venue. We were waiting to get into the room and Sting was like, don't stand so close to me. Hey! And he didn't know about Sting until we recorded this, so that was genuine improv. Genuine in the moment. So we didn't get into the room and never do not usually until the evening of the first, because they have to clear up on the first, clear everything out, and then they release it as an empty space on the evening of the first. So really, kind of 
construction, fitting out with poker tables and construction of the set cannot start until the second. I mean, that's ridiculous. Now, normally it's a, it's a tall order. Bear in mind, we've got a brand new set, which is vast, which is, has never been built before anywhere in the world. And we are up against it. So we don't even really know if the set only fits together in theory, right? Because it's never actually been assembled before. Which certainly never been assembled with all of the LED screens. How many pixels, how many LED lights did we work out there were? Like three and a half million? All these screens that go into the legs and around the rotunda at the top? I mean, all of that is going to be wired in, plugged in, connected to the right matrix. How long do you think it takes to plug in three and a half million light bulbs? Jesus. So by, in three days. by the time it's getting to like the fourth or the fifth, a few of us are starting to kind of like say half jokingly, is it going to be ready on time? And then by the sixth, it's like, no, seriously, is, is it going to be ready, ready on time? Because <laughs> by the sixth, it's kind of already missed its deadline because we were expecting to have the whole of the Saturday to do tech checks, rehearsals. The idea is we're going to run through a real couple of hours with different teams commentating on live poker on delay, then switching to the break, just so we all get into that habit. We could not even start rehearsing until five o'clock, six o'clock in the evening, at which point we knew there was still stuff that needed to be do done through the night. So we had like a very small window and, you know, I, I kind of, I was fine. I think Richard was fine, but I kind of felt a little bit bad for Lex, Maria, Jonathan Griffin, who kind of like were thrown into this thing. And I'm not really sure had had the opportunity to really get their feet wet. But luckily, they were consummate pros and they just knew what to do. They if, knew how to deliver. If you're going to get your feet wet, do not dive into the, the beach at Malibu. That's all I'm going to say. Awesome advice. So the first day, and bear in mind that there were people working through the night to get it ready for Sunday, because Sunday we're live on air. No more mulligans, no more rehearsals. This is the real thing. So we're getting ready to go live with the pregame show, which was initially meant to be myself, Joe, and Daniel Negreanu. Joe couldn't be there. He was sick. So we draft Griffin in. And it st still annoys me, by the way, that I failed to make the connection that they were the two Shark Cage champions. Anyway, we're sat there. <laughs> this is what keeps James awake at night. We're ready to go. We're ready to. We're getting ready to go on air. They are lit so that they start running. You know the opening sequence. So that that really cool like VT with all the shots of Atlantis and yeah. the players getting people in the mood. They're still drilling <laughs> on the set. They are still attaching shit to the stage. And I'm like, they do know that we're like on air, like live on this set. Four, three, two. So we managed to get the drilling stopped. Then there's someone clipping stuff behind us. Because basically the balcony behind that studio area is still having stuff clipped to it. I think construction finished. This might be a slight exaggeration, but I emphasize the word slight. I reckon construction finished on the count of 10 to going live to the room. That is, I mean, hey, they finished. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. And then it was just the small matter of getting through the eight days, the challenges of balancing multiple time zones and being on air all the time, which when you've got eight people is easier to do than when you've just got two or three. Yeah, you know, I mean, I don't want to take away from the hard work that went into it, but it all worked pretty well. Like it was pretty efficient. You know, there was a plenty of times for the break stuff where like they were making changes and the running orders were coming out like as we were having a countdown. Other than that, it went pretty smoothly.
Yeah, no, I thought it was a well-oiled machine, and I really hope that showed on screen. And based on the feedback, and we read some of the tweets, I do think people enjoyed it. And obviously, we were covering the Super High Roller for the first time in a long time, and we saw Kerry Katz win that in the first couple of days. And then we covered the 50K event, and you got to hug Steve O'Dwyer and present him with another trophy to add to his cabinet. You know, those uh, winner interviews, you know, I, I'm sure I've talked about it on the show before, Are I dread them. I don't want to do it. I have this weird thing where I want everything to be like fun and exciting. And sometimes the interviews just aren't, it is so much easier when it's a guy I already know. And so in Carrie's case, I don't know him super well, but I also know he's like a pretty affable guy and he's yeah. going to give good answers. And then in Steve's case, I'm like, Oh, thank God. Because some of those other super high rollers, some of those other guys that are in Steve's caliber, they don't like giving interviews that much. They don't like giving interviews and they're not exactly like super dynamic. Luckily, I've got this history with Steve where I can like make it kind of a fun thing and he stands around and waits to do the interview with me because he's my friend yeah. and I appreciate that. And so there was at least two interviews there that I didn't have to dread. Interviewing Maria, I did dread a little bit. You know why? Because it was fucking important. Like the first ever female PCA champion, like I didn't want to fuck that up. That was like a really big deal. Well, our main event coverage, as usual, five days from day two through to the conclusion and cards up every single day. I do think that we were quite fortunate with our feature table selections throughout. I think we were very fortunate that we picked up Maria very early on in the event and she was on our feature table for the bubble where she really showed her pedigree and really showed her class, really abusing the bubble Killing with the it. big stack. Um, and followed it through to its conclusion, the final table, um, which, as you say, she won. She gets that trophy. First ever female PCA champ. There were some issues that people had with Maria. The yeah. coughing was one of them. The tanking was the other one. I'm going to wait, wait till Lex is on the line to discuss that. Can we talk about the coughing really quick? Yeah. Though? Because it did it. Was I right? Did, did it turn out that she wasn't even ill? My understanding, and again, I don't have this confirmed, so this could just be rumor that apparently she's asthmatic. And when she's in a heightened state of stress, it brings on um, a lot of coughing, which would make sense. It makes sense, but what a fucking terrible weakness for a poker player to have. Like, that's just, you know, you're going to be in high levels of stress almost all of the time. So here's my question. If this is true, does she occasionally exaggerate the coughing at other times to compensate for the times when it's genuine to not give off any tells? Jesus, I don't know. Uh... I mean, remember uh, that guy who did the heavy breathing, Gilles? Bernier's. Bernier's. You know, he said that he was doing that because he was just terrified all the time. So maybe she's just in a heightened state of stress constantly and she doesn't have to balance it. I still maintain it's the air conditioning. Any building with air conditioning, any casino in the world that has like air conditioning always makes me cough my lungs up. Well, I was obviously coughing a bunch that week too. So I'm glad you're much better now, and you sound a lot better now as well. I'm getting there. I'm uh, just just a few more months, and I'll finally be back to full health. I have one last thing, yeah. related to the main event that I want to talk about, and it's a story about Sandy. I see Sandy the DF, Sandy the degenerate fuck. Now, if you guys don't know, whenever someone does something really degenerateness, de degenerately, we protect their identity. By calling them Sandy, which could be a man or a woman. Sandy, the degenerate fuck, what did Sandy get up to at the PCA? So Sandy was working on the production at the PCA as a producer. 
And obviously we have producers behind the scenes, but we also have producers out on the floor because while our attention is firmly focused on the main feature table, there's all those other tables out there where stuff's happening and we've got to keep track and make sure we get the big hands. That's how we cut to those shots of like, here's Daniel making a royal flush. Precisely, precisely. Now, do you remember, Joe, on day four of the main event, we came back with 43 players and the blog team had realized overnight that in the final 43, there were a mother and son. Yes. The Olsha. Yes. And somehow, literally everyone had missed this until the start of day four, where we were down to like five or six tables and there were two people with the same last name. So going in, Sandy, who's on the floor, one of the many producers working out there, is told, you have one job, Sandy, and your job is to make sure that we follow the story, the mother and son. Right? Okay. Now, normally, when a player is eliminated, and it's a player who we've been following Maybe it's one of our qualifiers. Maybe it's a member of Team Pro. Maybe it's a former champion. They will inevitably get pulled aside by Pete, the floor guy. Sure. And you'll often see those interviews rolled out on the stream. You'll hear Pete's voice. Exactly. Exactly. So Pete is normally ready when someone has been eliminated to quickly grab them and get an interview. So Aaron Olshan is on our feature table and he gets eliminated. But Pete is not free to grab Aaron because Pete is doing an interview with someone else. Do you know why? Because day four was crazy. We had to get down from 43 to 16. We thought it would take at least five levels. and we It might... went super quick. It went really quick. And during that first level, I think we lost at least 10, if not 15 players. So because there were so many people busting out, Pete's already got like someone else he's interviewing. And Aaron's walking off. It's like, Sandy, grab Aaron. Do not let him go anywhere and make sure we get him for an interview. <laughs> so Sandy follows Aaron, who understandably has got his sight set on the cage. Because when you bust, you get the ticket, you go to get your payout slip. Give me my money. Show that man his money. So Sandy respectfully stands back, waiting for Aaron to hand in his ticket for whatever his finish was, 40th, 39th. He's changed it for his ticket. Sandy's like, Aaron, can we please get an interview with you now that you've been knocked out? Um, yeah, sure. But before that, what we'd really like to do, because at this point... Mrs. Olshan's still in. So we'd really like to film you talking to your mother. Would that be okay? What? We'd like to film you having a conversation with your mother, just, just talking to your mother now that you're out? No. Oh. Um, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> okay, well, well, can we do the interview? Sure. So Sandy is leading Aaron back to Pete, who's now finished the interview is doing, and Pete's like looking quizzically at this guy walking towards him and does the universal signal for abort, abort, the kind of shake your head with hand waving frantically across the throat and mimes to Sandy, that's not Aaron Olshan. Oh, shit. This is a guy who busted one spot before Aaron, who just also happens to be a young guy in a baseball cap and hoodie, who thinks, oh, I'm being interviewed because I busted the main event, but is utterly perplexed why the production team want to film him talking to his mother, who's probably not even at Atlantis. Oh my God, Sandy, you fuck up. What an idiot. The only thing that could make that a better SDF story is if Sandy was also drunk. 
no, Sandy does not have that excuse. <laughs> um, we did say that so much of the praise for what happened at the PCA should fall on our expanded commentary team. I think we were very lucky. We chose very well. Uh, a lot of very good poker minds who also have broadcast experience. So big shout out to Griffin, Maria and Jonathan. And of course, Lex, who is the guest on this week's show. Let's get him on the line. We have got Lex Veldhouse in the house. Greetings, Lex. Oh, I like the applause. What's up, guys? That's real. That's that's real people all cheering for you because you're everyone's favorite commentator now. Thanks a lot, Lex. Uh, do we play that every, every joke as well? Oh, boy. All right. Sorry <laughs> to get this started here. First of all, Lex, yeah, I would like to say... Nice. Thank you for getting your internet upgraded specifically for the purpose of this call. I have been following you and your latest drama on social media. You're up speed, you're down speed. Knowing that you had to be on this podcast, you made it your absolute top priority to make sure you had the best internet connection possible. What can I say, guys? You know, the the, the every week uh, podcast is, is the summum of my internet life right now, so <laughs> I had to do everything I could. What country are you in? Um, I'm in Panama City right now, so we just uh, left the Bahamas, and we're in Panama City now, and we're going to be here for the next two and a half months. Are you guys just getting chased all over Central and South America? What the fuck is happening? You guys, you've been in Costa Rica, and all, like, what's what's going on? Um, yeah, well, everybody thinks that we're uh, uh, that we're just traveling around to see places, but we're obviously running from the law. So you know, <laughs> every time, every time they catch on to us, we have to move. Uh, no, but is it is was this all part of a plan? Like, do you have a plan to do a certain amount of time here and then there or whatever? Are you guys just white knuckling it. Well, uh, yeah, we're kind of just uh, going picking one place and then uh, trying to think about the next one. It kind of started because we didn't want to uh, settle down too much yet. Um, I traveled a lot in America. Myrta, my girlfriend, lived in Australia, and we kept kind of referring to our own trips and we wanted to do some sort of adventure together. But that means that, you know, I have to uh, stream from those places. So um, uh, we kind of have to figure out where the Internet's good enough, where the housing's big enough to have an office and stuff. But it's really working out and it's just exploring pretty much. Have you had any nightmares of people misrepresenting the housing slash Internet situation? Funny you ask. Um, <laughs> That's exactly what Lex has been uh, blasting people on social media for yeah. in the last week. Yeah, it's, uh, it's yeah, we have to move uh, houses because they said it was a three-bedroom, but it's not, and um, that sort of stuff, and the internet wasn't good enough, and just like mold out of the coffee pot, you know, the, the, the standard Ooh. travel nightmare you would expect, but we're moving on Friday, so it should be all good. This is why I don't like Airbnb. It's like Airbnb is... All of the paying that you do if you stay at a yeah. hotel, but then you also are staying in someone else's house. Like, they're doing you a favor. It's, like, the worst of all worlds. Yeah, but I have to say, though, like, we're looking at some uh, stuff because we want to cancel the rent because we, we rented it for two and a half months, you know. So, I mean, and it's, it really is disgusting. Like, the couch smells <laughs> like this. Um, that's just, I, I mean, I don't want to whine and name 30 things, but I really could. So... <laughs> Everything is gross. We bought everything new, like towels and pans and stuff. And um, there actually is a really good uh, thing you can do. You can make a case for wanting to leave. And then uh, Airbnb has like this settlement department. And they also have a settlement fund. So even if you don't work it out in a certain way, Airbnb can like take money out of their own pocket to keep uh, renters happy, especially because, you know, we rent so frequently. So, um, and if you don't rent through Airbnb, 
and you'll just rent uh, from like uh, a rental site, then you don't have anything, you don't have any power because there's no like social media power, no comments, no ratings, nothing. Please, please, please get Airbnb to take money out of their own pockets and give it to you because <laughs> I went to high school with the guy that started Airbnb and he's a fucking billionaire and I will never eclipse that in a thousand <laughs> lifetimes and I hate him. So take every dime you can from that bastard. There are so many people right. you're hating right now. The Airbnb guy, Lex Veldhaus. Um, when you said <laughs> you were in Panama City, Lex, I did have flashbacks to our trip to Panama last March, um, which had its challenges. We were there to work as well. I can understand why you may have had some internet problems. Um, but what is your daily schedule these days? What is the plan? Um, it's pretty much uh, get up at like 7.30. And then I do some like cardio. I, I used to try to work out, but that's like one of those goals that's not achievable if you have a really long day after. And it will kind of drain my energy a little bit. So I just try to do like 20 minutes of cardio just to wake up a bit, eat breakfast, and have to do emails and business stuff for about an hour. And then I usually start at 9 30, 10 in the morning. And I stream till about 7 or 8 in the evening. That's a um, long day. I'm sorry, you start when and end when? That's 10 hours. Yeah, I start. Yeah, and that's. That's almost a minimum lately. So yesterday, yesterday I did ten. The day before I did fourteen. The day before twelve. Do you make any money uh, at this? I hope Jesus. Yes, I mean it's going really well, and I think that you know it's paying off because uh, I'm pretty much always there. So people notice that, and people yeah. appreciate that, and they trust you. So. I'm glad it's paying off, and obviously you had a great 2017 on Twitch, Lex. But how demanding is it, and how much work do you have to put in to get to the point where you start to reap the rewards? Um, I think that to reap rewards from it, uh, I think that if you stream four or five hours for five days a week and you have a good quality stream and you're always there, I think you could do reasonably well to where it really helps paying the bills. But if you really want to crush, then you're really going to have to put in 50 to 70 hours a week. At what point did you realize, okay, I'm going to really make a thing of this. I'm going to be the number one poker Twitch caster, and I'm really going to sort of, you know, achieve that goal. Um, I've been watching Twitch for six years, so I've, I really love the platform. I get all the jokes. I know if people are referring to a Dota streamer, real life streamer, whoever. Um, so it really feels like home. Um, and pretty much the first time that I turned it on, uh, I thought, oh, I should have done this way, way earlier. And that's when I really knew that I was committed to this and this was going to be my next thing. I mean, you don't even have time to watch it anymore, I guess, right? If you're on the air 60 hours a week. Yeah, I pretty much, well, like that hour in the morning when I'm doing business stuff, I have it on and then I have to do uh, community stuff, social media. That's fucking, up, that's fucking amazing. Like businessmen have like CNBC on in the background, right? While they're doing their shit in the morning <laughs> and Lex has got Twitch on. He's like doing paperwork, writing emails. He's just got like the Twitch. It's <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, it's really, it's really that way. Like, if I have a countdown, right? Because if you don't have a countdown when you go online, then it's kind of when. When do I start talking? Twenty viewers, fifty viewers, hundred viewers. So you have a countdown to get at least some people, and then you can just hit it right off. So I usually have a twenty, uh, a fifteen-minute clock counting down with some music and stuff, and then until the last second, I'm watching. There's different streams open that are just on mute. What kind of music do you start with? Um, I usually I used to just listen to like deep house and uh, techno and stuff, Ugh. but really, Joe. <laughs> but um, I uh, 
now that it's so much bigger and there's so many different people in there, I just go for music people uh, like. Mix- <laughs> uh, I just go for mixed genres, so Lex, uh, that works out. Have well. you thought of taking requests like a radio disc jockey? Yeah, I do that, but it's only for people who are subscribed to my channel. So that's one of the perks that they could get. So if they um, if they're not subscribed, I can't do it because I tried that one session and it's just unbelievable. Then everybody wants to hear their favorite Elvis Presley song or some some death metal, and uh, it's just pretty much people who know to stick kind of on genre to follow certain songs, and they just have good suggestions. And a lot of the music that I add to my Spotify playlist, uh, they they suggested. Well, Lex, I've been gifted a one month subscription to your stream, so I would like to formally request that you count down to the song Baja Men's Who Let the Dogs Out. Oh God, I hate that song. How do you did, did, did you did you know? Uh, it's just pretty much the best song ever, so I figured you would hate it. Yeah, yeah, likewise. Um, Lex, PCA, buddy, you were probably the most, I don't know, people loved you. A lot of good rave reviews coming in about you. Did you enjoy it? Uh, I enjoyed it very much, and I, I really, I, it's so crazy because I broadcast every day, but it really felt like being thrown in the deep. Um, I've told this to you guys personally as well, but... I respect so much like how, how fluently and how well you guys do everything and how you are uh, able to have the producer in here, a countdown, get all the messaging out, uh, talk to me. Also, give me a really nice layup on, to do a strategy bit. And then there's a producer in here talking while I'm talking. And then you still know how to ask a follow-up question. So that side of, uh, of broadcasting is incredible to me. So it's a completely new experience. And it was tons of fun. Like I always think you need to develop, and especially since I obviously like streaming and broadcasting, it's really cool to see a different, kind of more professional side of it. Lex, I'm going to fucking murder you. You are so nice now and so complimentary, and thank you, and that's great, and I appreciate it. But in the moment when I need you, <laughs> when I need you to have my back and build me up like right as they're counting down to go live, you're sitting there just stonewalling me, telling me how unfunny I am. I literally, I got to tell this story about how, so when James is running the ship, we sometimes get a rehearsal. When, when, it's, when it's me by myself, I never got a rehearsal. Just to be clear, to be clear, the only time we ever had to rehearse anything was like the open of the show. Right. Okay. I did breaks as well with no rehearsal. It's not because it's a James and Joe thing. It's a time of day thing. Whatever. Whatever. But so we do this rehearsal and I like throw a couple of jokes out there. One of them being that they gave away prizes to like the top eight finishers right like at a playstation oh yeah everyone who made the final table got like electronics right and so i was like ninth place got what used to be a puppy and like <laughs> lex just totally stonewalls me during the rehearsal i'm like oh i guess that joke sucked and i like crossed it out and like rewrote it and did something different during the broadcast and then afterward lex is like oh, how come you didn't do that puppy joke it's really funny and i was like i'm gonna kill you <laughs> He was yeah. saving the laugh for the real <laughs> version. You don't laugh at your no, jokes during a rehearsal. Me, he told me he has this whole system where if he laughs, it means the joke's actually bad, right? Is this how it goes? Yeah, yeah. so the system is like, um, <laughs> so, so if, I don't, if I don't look at you and I'm kind of just doing my own thing and I don't really recognize the joke, then it's really bad, I think. Um, <laughs> then when I kind of chuckle, it's decent. Uh, then when you completely stonewall somebody, it's levels above that. It's it's really good. <laughs> See? 
And then almost on the same level is when you burst out laughing. I think that's a little bit higher. So when you kind of can't help yourself, you burst out laughing. But I really think that's also a cultural thing. I think that's, I think Europeans do that a little bit more. Like they stonewall after they tell a joke themselves. They will never say like type smiley face or something to make people know it's a joke. It's really all about uncomfortable humor a lot of the time. Exactly. Lex doesn't care the fact that he completely destroys my confidence seconds before we go on the air every single time. Well, talking about <laughs> uncomfortable, the two observations that the vast majority of the audience made about you, Lex, was number one, that we had you wearing a jacket and shirt, which obviously people are not used to. And I think you said yourself that you don't actually own any of your own jackets and shirts, which is why the production had to supply them for you. Yeah, um, I was traveling, definitely not have it with me. Uh, I have one <laughs> suit for weddings and stuff, um, but I, I normally don't really wear suits. I really used to hate hate it as well, but then a friend of mine said, it's pretty much like chill clothes, but then fancy. And that's yes. what it feels like, too, when you're wearing it. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I never really wear a suit, but I, I really think it fits the broadcast. No, it, it, you, you look great. But the other thing everyone was talking about, Lex was how long it would be, how many hours or how many days until Lex drops the F-bomb on air. And I think we managed to get through 48 hours with just a couple of shits. And then finally, the F-word made its first appearance, I think, on the third day of the broadcast. Yeah, it's that's... that's You're going to tell me it's a hard. Dutch thing, aren't you? That's the excuse Fatima always uses. Oh, I'm Dutch, and in, 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 in Holland, it's not really a swear word. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. She's very right about that. But you know what the funny thing is? I slip, I, I kind of slip because I do feel like, you know, I'm not going to go to my girlfriend's parents' house at Christmas and just go around cursing there. You need to have an on and off button. Otherwise, you're just an idiot, you know? So um, I, I feel like if I can't turn it off for a podcast like that. I, this is, I, I can picture Lex at Christmas there being like, what's, what's your girlfriend's uh, whatever? Like, hey, Mrs. Whatever, this turkey's fucking great. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I, I did have one time where uh, a niece of Mirta, she said, uh, uh, I was like cl cleaning up place. And then her niece said something like, uh, oh, hey, well done. Take this one, too. Kind of like I was her servant or something. <laughs> so her dad was sitting next to her. So I told her, oh, hey, um, your mom was calling. And she's like, oh, what did she say? Uh, that you need to shut the fuck up. Oh. And, then, <laughs> and then her dad looked at me like, hmm, okay. But he kind of could appreciate it as well. <laughs> like yeah i kind of deserve that but no I, I feel like you need to be able to turn that on and off and yes i curse a lot in real life but you know you need to understand the platform that you're on also um the funny thing is that i slipped because moments before that i did an irl stream to my audience which means that i was sitting in the hallway in the pca just turned on my stream was just looking in the camera talking to chat answering questions about what i was doing and it was all my gen like my normal public on twitch was watching so then um uh, I was cursing. So then I completely got back into that mood. And like 20 minutes later, I, I told uh, I told Richard, I can see you fucking looking over there. And I was like, oh. <laughs> uh, as long as, do you know, I always feel that as long as I don't do it, we can probably get away with it. It's adult content yeah. after all. I mean, I can't get away with it either. I, I feel like the pro analysts, I don't want to say you can get away with it because we don't want to encourage that sort of thing. But I would be worried about my job if I did it. I don't think you have to be as worried about yours. Yeah, I still don't think it fits. Like you, you see in esports and stuff too. Like if somebody if somebody drops an f bomb, they really go into apologetic mode because it's just like 
Like, it's different. You know, you watch a streamer and you know anything can happen because it's their platform. Now you watch like this gigantic production with all these different types of people. And then if one person just starts cursing, it becomes like a disharmony kind of. There's one more talking point around the PCA that we haven't discussed yet, Lex. And it's in the aftermath of the final table, I saw a lot of conversation about the need for a shot clock in poker. I didn't quite realize on the day, it was only after the event, how many people literally switched off because they were tilted so much by Maria's tanking. Wait, people actually tuned out? Yeah, people said they just couldn't bear it. They found it almost unwatchable, and which is why Daniel Negreanu started a discussion about it, weighing up the pros and cons of having a certain number of hands per level rather than... I'm going to throw this out there too. I also think people were extra hard on her because she was a woman. I, I think that people would have given a little bit more slack. It's I, not quantifiable. I don't care whether she's male or female. I found the tanking egregious at I'm times. I'm not saying you did it, but I think that it started way sooner than it would have for other players. It was... I can. I, I see it from the viewer's perspective, though, which is it does make it very hard to watch. The question I wanted to ask you, Lex, and this is where I do want a poker player's perspective. We're obviously looking at this as a spectator sport in inverted commas we're looking at it from the point of view of the fans the viewers but do we have to put that to one side and say that doesn't matter it's actually about the player experience and about how they want the games to be played oh yeah well the, you come to the the endless debate where everybody who doesn't talk and wears sunglasses and hoodies says i'm just here to make money but at the same time i feel like those players aren't really respecting the fact that they're playing for a million first prize and not a hundred K first prize because it's broadcasted and popular. So I really do feel that everybody has a responsibility to make poker as watchable as possible. Um, I don't know if she was sick because she was sick, that that had a part to play in it, but there were definitely the most annoying spots is where it's so obvious that you have two options. So just pick one, you know, like, okay, you have ace queen suited in the small blind. It's not like you have nine, five suited. Just, Either limp or make it three and a half times the big blind. Just do one. It's both fine. You know, like, it, and people with experience should just know that by now. And I don't know. I, I can understand that people tune out because of that. I, I honestly, during some of those hands, I would have, I would have just switched page to something yeah. else. I can, um, I can, I can e equally see that with the bubble as well. I mean, again, I appreciate the whole idea of having the clock paused and taking two minutes off per hand is a better experience dude, for the I was, players. I was doing commentary on the bubble and I was bored. Well, I was going to say, it was you, Lex, <laughs> and Daniel was in the booth as well, and it took forever. It was like a double level. It took three hours to play a 90-minute level. And again, people were saying, this is not exciting. The drama's gone. And again, I see this from the perspective of... People who aspire to play these events, but spend, and the vast majority of them will always spend all of their time just watching these events. And I think it's, it, it's sad that that experience is ruined. Yeah, I think that uh, to, to make a certain amount of minutes per hand um, is a really good way so that people can just speed up. And um, to just also explain, like, there's no point in tanking. Your hand will not take any longer uh, this way. The level or nothing, nothing will happen. So um, I think that those solutions are really good to look at. I, I, don't, I don't know if I agree with the fact that it was because Miro's female, because Kevin McPhee got a lot of slack as well for playing insanely slow. Um, but on the other hand, I don't know. I, I don't even think you can blame players also for doing it, you know? Um, I wouldn't do it live, but online everybody, everybody kind of does it, so... Well, I mean, there's not a gigantic audience watching you. I mean, there's watching you specifically, but not watching <laughs> most people. But exactly, that's the point. That's why I wouldn't do it live. Because yeah. I feel like every poker player, especially when you're on a TV table, 
um, you have some sort of responsibility uh, to help make poker and keep it as interesting as you can and not sit there for three minutes and think about 90s offsuits. And do it online, whatever you want, because everybody doesn't matter. You know, like you say, there's nobody watching. Well, Lex, my final question about the PCA is I appreciate what you did and I'm glad you enjoyed the experience. It was awesome having you on the team. Was it weird and was it hard as a poker player to be at something like the PCA and be working and not playing? Yes, uh, that was, but it also kind of fits with where my career is going. So, um, I, like, streaming really excites me. So, the broadcasting was really exciting to me. So, <clears throat> as long as I'm uh, challenging myself or exploring new things, then I'm completely fine with what I'm doing. Um, also, I got to see D. Peters play. So, I'm pretty much three betting every five, seven suited right now online. <laughs> Influencing the game. Hey, speaking of games, you ready to play a game, Lex? Yes. All right, this one is called Know Your Co-Hosts. Now, Lex, if you're going to be a part of this team, you need to know your co-hosts. It is a relationship. You need to anticipate each other's needs. You need to know! I imagine we'll be having Jamie and Maria and Griffin and Jonathan on in the coming months. We're going to see who is the best at this. Plus, I can reuse this game over and over and over again. Recycle, reversion, repackage. Plagiarism saves time, especially when you're plagiarizing yourself. So these are a bunch of trivia questions about me and James. Are you ready? Let's do it. Question one. Of the following movies, which does James not quote regularly? Jaws, Robocop, Big Trouble in Little China, The Untouchables. Oh, man. I mean, that has to be Jaws, right? Jaws is incorrect. What? How is that quotable? Oh, boy. Uh, we're going we're gonna to have a problem here. We're going to have to extend this interview. We're going to need a bigger boat. We're going <laughs> to take it <laughs> off. There you go. Smile, you son of a bitch. Okay, question two. How many times has Stapes had to apologize on air for something he said? Uh, you said cockfights. That's true, but I don't think I apologized for it. There was at least one time that I had to give a legit apology. So your qu your choices here are zero, one, two, or more than two. Uh, I'm gonna go with two. I think it's one, right? You don't I, even know the answer. No, because I was hoping James would tell me. I seem to remember a second. Okay, then you're right. Lex is right. What was the second? What was the the first time? What was the second time? What was the first time? There must have been at least two. I don't think there have been. Anyway, okay, we're going to give that one to Lex, too. Uh, Lex, know your co-host. Question three. How many children does James have that we know of? Zero, one, two, or more than two? Zero. Zero is incorrect. James has one child that we know of. So Lex is one, one and two right now? Can I just point out that this proves the cliche that people with kids only talk about their kids is not true, because clearly I never spoke to Lex about my child. Yeah. James, yeah, maybe Lex could ask a fucking question every once in a while <laughs> to get to know your co-host. <laughs> question number four. What is the name of the one who got away for Stapes, who he would do pretty much anything to get back together with, including crowbarring her name into a trivia question on a podcast in the hopes that she'll one day take him back? Is it Maria... Parker, Alex, or Flo? Flo. Flo is incorrect. We were looking for 
Maria. Maria. I just realized we're, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this a couple other ways though. Sorry, incorrect. We we're looking for Parker. Sorry, incorrect. We we're looking for Alex. This way I can take the show and send it. I can edit it oh, and send it to any smart. of them. Yeah. All right, question number five. <laughs> What's James's favorite animal? Is it a dog, a cat, a kangaroo, or a koala? Um. Uh, it is a koala. No, Lex, obviously it's a cat. Only a cat can walk into a room and say, fuck you, and you still love it. Lex is kind of cat-like <laughs> in that way, actually. Yeah. Question number six. Oh, <laughs> this is my favorite question, by the way. What was Stapes' dad's favorite daily bonding activity with his son, Stapes? Having a catch, watching the Yankees on TV, sharing a beer on the stoop, Punching Stapes in the stomach. Punching Stapes in the stomach. That is correct. Lex is back on the board. <laughs> you got to tune in to some of the earlier podcasts if you want to hear the full story on that one. Question number seven. How many siblings does James have? Zero, one, two, or three? Uh, one. One is... This is brilliant. Not only do I fall short of one cliche, but I'm also not the classic only child either. You are the classic only child in so many ways. How many questions does Lex have right now out of seven? Not many. Oh boy. I think this is actually speaks for me. How? Because why not? Super, <laughs> super professional. I just don't cross boundaries. That's it's right. He doesn't. He doesn't pry. All right. Question number eight. What is Stapes' ratio for acquiring one of the massage girl's phone numbers versus number of dates he's converted them to? Uh, so, zero. Hold There's on. No There's some choices no. here. Zero uh, for wait. Is it zero for zero, one for zero, three and zero, or three and three? Uh, uh so me? You mean like you tried three times and zero? Meaning of all, like so the first number would be the number of phone numbers I've gotten from the massage girls. The second number would be the number of dates I've parlayed that phone number into. Oh. Uh, so zero three, zero. zero. You say three zero. Three zero is incorrect. It's actually one zero. I've gotten one. <laughs> I've gotten one phone number from a massage oh, girl. Of I love the fact that by making you go for three and zero, Stape somehow turns this into a win for himself. It is. It's yeah. not that he bad. You only got one phone number. And I, yeah, I mean, who knows how many I've tried for? That's another question for another day. Question number nine. How many mistakes has James made in his entire life? Zero. More than a hundred. Less than a hundred. Six, but none of them were his fault. <laughs> Six, but none of them were his fault. Correct! Six, but none of them were his <laughs> fault. Question number 10. Which of the following gifts did James buy for Joe on iTunes for a gift that Joe still hasn't watched and it really pisses James off? One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, Casablanca, The West Wing, Friday Night Lights. West Wing. West Wing is incorrect. I did watch what? The West Wing in oh, its entire- Casablanca? Nope, I also watched Casablanca. And I started Friday Night Lights, but I have yet to watch One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, and it really pisses what? James off. Thank you. Lex shares my incredulation. That, that is incredible. Like, I would think that you would like that movie regardless. I was uh, As soon as I heard that one, I thought it's obviously not that one, because that would be ridiculous. Well, I, I, I don't like it or dislike it. I've never seen it. Joe is generally <laughs> quite a ridiculous person, though, Lex. And that is why Lex and I get along so well. Out of ten questions, I think Lex got three... It was a minority score. I'm going to call it a fail. 
Lex, you need to know your co-host. We look forward to uh, seeing you again. Maybe you could have a fucking conversation with one of us for once. Actually, but uh, yeah, that that's uh, I I I don't know. Like if you would if you would ask me questions about the the Alicia the the makeup <laughs> uh, artist. I, I could I could tell you a lot more because that's actually sitting down in normal talk time. We always talk business because we're on the set. Everything's moving. Everything's going quickly. You know. That is true, but we have to make time for these things, Lex. Yeah. Well, I have other friends. <laughs> <laughs> All right, get the fuck off the phone. <laughs> Lex, yeah. good luck with your time in Panama, and uh, good luck with all the streaming coming up. All right, talk to you guys soon. Poker in the ears. Well, you may feel that you've had your fill of Lex Veldhaus, Joe, but I can tell you that Lex is the theme of this week's free roll. Yes, you may remember, towards the end of 2017, we promised weekly free rolls for Poker in the Ears listeners. We did. Now, we said they would start towards the tail end of last year, but as previously discussed, shit happened. So they got pushed, but this is where they start. So I can tell you that this week there is a $500 free roll on PokerStars taking place this weekend. I'm going to give you the details. You are going to need to write these down because we've made this one hard to find, okay? Because we want it to be for you, not just random people looking for value in the Stars Tournament Lobby. Sunday, the 28th of January is the date. The time, and I will give it to you in three time zones. 1.10 p.m. Eastern Time. That's 6.10 p.m. GMT. That is 7.10 p.m. Central European time. So 10 past 1 in the afternoon if you're on the Eastern time. 10 past 6 in the evening if you're in the UK. 10 past 7 in the evening if you're in Europe. Crucially, Joe, the game won't appear in the lobby and registration will not open until 20 minutes before the game starts. I like it. Small window. Exactly. Fits less of these ruffians through. So you will need to search in the lobby for the Veldhaus Funhouse. That's what we are calling... This week's free roll. Are you spelling Funhouse F-U-N-H-U-I-S-E? No, we're spelling house <laughs> in the traditional way, but they are four distinct words. The Veldhaus Funhouse, that is this week's free roll. Find it in the lobby a few minutes before it starts. And the password you will need is Lex Likes to Swear. So, four what, words. What is the cases on that? All lowercase, all one word. So we've compounded that phrase into one single word, all lowercase, Lex likes to swear. And that's it. That's all you have to do. And bear in mind, we are going to have one of these $500 free rolls every week, but they're going to be on different days. They're going to be on different times. So make sure you listen to the podcast each week to get the details on how to find it, how to register, and of course, the password you will need. Like it? I love it. Extra value. And talking of value, we are going to give a podcast listener the chance now to win some prizes. One of them loves the EPT, knows it inside out, and would do anything for the European Poker Tour. The other one is Joe Stapleton. It's Superfan versus Stapes. Please welcome to Poker in the Ears, Jack Scullion. Greetings, Jack. Hey, guys. How's it going? What is up, Jack Skellington? Nice to talk to you. Yeah, you two guys don't get Skellington often. Homie, Jack Scullion sounds like a sounds like something you would call a pirate. He's a Jack Scullion, like a rap scallion or a jack-booted thug. But he's a Jack Scullion. Is there a child in your house? God, the worry, someone just came through the office. It's like that CNN interview. 
where the babies come running in and then the, the mother comes chasing them. It does feel a bit like that. I appreciate you're probably at work right now, so tell us about yourself, Jack. Where are you from and what do you do? Uh, I'm from Cornwall in England. Um, I'm training to be a PE teacher at the minute. Oh, that's amazing. You know, you know that old phrase, though, right? Yeah. Do you want me to say it or do you want to say it? I think you should say it. Those who can't do teach, and those who can't teach, teach gym. Yeah, that's pretty much it. That's pretty cool, though. <laughs> what kind of gym teacher do you think you're going to be? Are you going to be like a cool one, like a mentor, or are you going to be a dick? I'd like to think I'd be cool, but I can imagine being just, yeah, the teacher that shouts at everyone, but hopefully not. What kind of, do you know what school you're going to be working at yet? Not yet, just doing my doing my training and stuff at the minute, so... uh yeah, I'm actually ducked out of a basketball lesson at the minute, so I've got someone covering me. So. Oh, wow, that's cool. Well, I hope that you go to, like, some downtrodden school and you end up being the caring white person who brings everyone out of the... in an Oscar-worthy per performance <laughs> of white teacher who cares a lot. Hey, that would be up for Oscars, wouldn't it? Because in Cornwall, they probably need that, right? More white people. Yeah, those if we haven't got enough. <laughs> Jack, you are certainly proving your super fandom by ducking out of this basketball lesson uh, to be on the podcast. How much poker do you play? How much poker do you watch? Um, I play a little bit uh, online when I can. Um, I just got introduced to it at uni, um, started watching you guys uh, on the web streams, uh, and then I quite uh, quite enjoy Lex's, Lex's stream, so hang out in his stream. Ooh, Lex, Lex. God, I'm so sick of hearing about Lex. Yeah, we've we've had our um, allotted number of Lex Feldhouse <laughs> mentions on today's show, yeah. so... Uh, um, Jack, you have chosen, as your specialist subject, a television show, which I have to confess, I had never heard of until you tweeted, How I Met Your Mother. I figured this was a new show, but apparently it's been going for some time. Yeah, it's been been going for ages they used to have reruns of it on uh, on e4 here in the uk all the time wow how have i never heard of it this? doesn't it's not still going it's it's finished but it ran for about nine seasons and finished maybe two or three years ago now yeah something like that i started watching it because uh to impress a girl not to impress her but she was like oh it's my <laughs> favorite show Will you watch this show i'll say this i don't i only watched the first season and a half before they yanked it off netflix i didn't find it that funny I thought that almost no one on the show can act. However, I really fucking cared about the characters, like a lot. That's the thing. You, it, it was a great show in the fact that you just, you really cared about what happened to them. They, it wasn't particularly great, but you really cared about them. Doogie Howser's in it, right? Yes. I like yeah. him. He plays, uh, he's probably the only character that's like consistently funny and can act. And he plays like this real, like this Lothario just like Jay. Just like me, except he's occasionally successful. Okay, well, I'm taking <laughs> the, uh, the the questions, which obviously have been prepared by a third party, not by me. And I did give specific instructions um, that I would like this quiz to be staggered, as it were. So I have got five allegedly simple questions for Joe Simpleton, and then five, shall we say, tougher questions for jack the super fan um so really it doesn't make any difference whether you go first or second jack because you're going to get the five questions that have been allotted to you but i'm going to let you choose because you're the guest and i think it's polite 
I'll go first. Okay. In which case, you get question number one. Now, <laughs> all of these questions are multiple choice. If you're able to answer it without taking the multiple choice options, you can have two points. If you need the choices, the score reduces to one point. So your question yep. is, what is the matchmaking service that Ted signs up to? Jeez, uh, it's like Love Connections. Are you sure you don't want to take the options? Uh, it's something like, I'll take the options, it's something okay. like that. The options are Make a Match, Love Solutions, Love to Date, or Fling Finder. Yeah, so it's uh, it's love solutions there. Aren't you glad that I let you take the options? I think that's fair. Yeah, I'll, I'll allow that, it. That's pretty nice. Okay, Joe, your first question. And again... I'll what... take the options, please. <laughs> you might be all right with this one. What city does How I Met Your Mother take place in? I don't even feel right about this. It's New York City. Okay, well, there you go. You get two <laughs> points. Well done. God, uh, they think I'm really stupid. Oh, thank Christ. Well, we've got to get you on the board. These could be the only two what points you score. What is the third word in the title of the show, How I Met Your Mother? Your next question, Jack. In the episode, Belly Full of Turkey, what do Barney and Lily both get arrested for? Uh, oh, it's public urination. It is, for two points. Nice. So you're up 3-2. Joe, your second question. What's the name of the bar that the gang frequents? Oh, these are too easy. I feel guilty. No, I mean, I'm going to get it with the, with the choices, I think. Would you like the choices? Yeah, give me the choices. Is it Paddy's Pub? No. Murphy's? McGee's? Or McLaren's? McLaren's. It is, for a point. And we have a tied game. Jack, your next question. Ted and Barney licked which national landmark? Uh, it's the Liberty Bell. It is, for two points. I just want to go on record as saying the last two that Jack has gotten, I would have gotten without the um choices okay although i can't think of the word choices so what chance do i really have well let's see how you do with this question what is barney's catchphrase suit up it is indeed it's still tied at five all uh where are we we are with you jack and your next question is where is marshall erickson originally from uh what the the state or the state uh, he's from Minnesota. He is, for two points. That's very well done. There is a bonus question. Ooh. What Ooh. sport did the Erickson family invent? Oh, right, I gotta remember what it is. There it's, are options. Uh, it's Basque Sport. It is, for two wow. points. <laughs> Joe, this is your penultimate question. All right. On their first date, what does Ted steal from a restaurant to impress Robin? I'll take the choices, please. Is it a red trombone, a blue French horn, a green saxophone, or an orange flute? It's a blue French horn. It is for one point. Woo! And your bonus question, what does Ted say the blue French horn reminds him of? Two points if you get it, one point if you're close. Robin's butt. No. Do you want to steal, Jack? Uh, I know what it is, yeah. Go on, then. Uh, is, he says it reminds him of a Smurf penis. It does. <laughs> you get the two points. Uh, your final question, Jack. In episode two, how many parties did Ted organise so that he could arrange a casual date with Robin? Uh, 
That's uh, three. It is for two points. And Joe, your final question. What is Ted's job? What's the score? Um, you're losing. Ted's job is an architect. He is. That does give you two points, which means you end with eight on the board. But Jack scored 13 points. Oh, shit. Which means, Jack, you have won this game of Superfan versus Stapes. We are going to send you a satellite ticket. We are also going to send you a mini chipset. Oh, great. Thank you. That's awesome. Thank you. And make sure you look after the children of tomorrow because they are the future of this planet. I was going to say, on like a rainy day, they're probably going to end up playing with that chipset. Yeah, probably I gotta make sure they're uh, they're not running right next door. Yeah, as as much as I love the game of poker, and obviously it's in my job description to promote the game of poker. Please do not, <laughs> do not make poker part of PE lessons. No, we won't. We've we've done blackjack. We haven't gone to poker yet. <laughs> Jesus, playing poker sucks. <laughs> uh, thank you, Jack. Thanks for coming on the show. No worries. Thanks, guys. You know, I don't think Jack's story totally checked out. He said he was in an office, but then his kid walked in, and then he said that he was missing basketball practice. No, he there said was... a kid walked in, not his kid. Oh, a kid. Oh, well, that makes it check out a little bit more. Yeah, funny that, when you just change that one detail, so right. all the conspiracy theories are destroyed. They all bust. Well, anyway, okay, I guess the story does <laughs> check out this time, Jack Scullion. Now, we have got a lot to get through in the next few weeks, Joe, so I just want to make it clear to people that we're going to kind of, not compartmentalise, we're going to deal with different stuff on different weeks. Sure. So today was all about the PCA. Coming up in a couple of weeks, we're going to talk movies, because I know you've watched a ton of movies, you've watched a ton of TV shows, so we need to rattle through those, but we're going to do in-depth reviews of Molly's Game, which is the big kind of poker-themed film that came out at the tail end of last year, and also... Maybe in not as much detail, but maybe a spoiler-filled review of The Last Jedi as well. Oh, we're going to get around to that, huh? We are. And also, we're going to catch up with people who've won Platinum Passes so far, including the guy who won the Pokestars TV contest at the PCA, uh, plus Finton Gavin, who won the Platinum Pass at the Megastack in Ulster. So that's going to be cool. And of course, we've got these Cash Challenge shows to talk about as well. We got a lot to do next week, my babies. I'll be back in LA. James is here. Also, uh, I think we're going to be having Charlie Carroll on yeah, as a we're guest. Gonna, we're going to recap the first four episodes of the Cash Challenge. So the lineup that people have been seeing on Channel 4 on Wednesday nights, and remember, if you're anywhere else in the world, they're available the next day at Pokestars TV. It's got Charlie, it's got Daniel, it's got Liv, it's got Faraz, and of course, Kevin Hart and Mila the Challenger. So it's 150 hands split into five shows. Four-fifths of those hands will have been played and seen by the time we reconvene next week. So we'll break it down. All right, my babies, that is all the time we got for this week's show. Until next time in the Cash Challenge Review, I am Joe Stapleton. He is James Hardigan. Smell you later. Later.